No sirens. Good. Cut. <laughs> so, Kathy, what's new? <laughs> I don't know. What are we? How are we transitioning? <laughs> Welcome to Bluebell and Mine. In this episode, we'll be chatting about our experiences with applying to work and volunteer roles and our thoughts on hiring processes. We'll be exploring this on a systems level, discussing the implications on justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. So Rachel, what's been your experience with applying for positions? Uh, well, for myself, I haven't really had a lot of uh, experiences with like a full recruitment process and the thing that is most I guess relevant would be in my extracurricular opportunities specifically with like student leadership positions um, and those kind of follow a stage process so of course you uh, apply with your resume usually you answer a few questions on a survey and then after that stage you would be invited to an interview um, and then I think more frequently now, there's also some sort of in-basket activity, uh, either like as part of the interview or afterwards, and then followed by some sort of reflection. And so I think recently I've had some experience with kind of that full recruitment process um, of those uh, stages. But what about you, Kathy? Yeah, similarly, like in undergrad, um... I've been through a couple recruitment processes with extracurricular opportunities. There were like group based um, interviews as well, which I think Rachel, you've also been in a couple of them, um, which is pretty different from most paid opportunities. I guess depends on industry, um, but majority of the time you're not in an interview process with a group of candidates. Um, mm. But yeah, generally, um, I mean, I graduated, so I have had interviews because I have a job. Um, and yeah, the past like little bit, I've been also applying to jobs as well um, and going through, you know, the recruitment process, which usually includes a screening, like a shorter phone call to kind of understand a few key things about why you applied to the position. And then after that, you would go into another interview that's potentially like a panel interview or a presentation and then potentially there could be a third round of interviews um but what I've noticed is it's just a super long process because you'll apply wait a few weeks do a screening wait a few weeks interview wait a few weeks potentially another interview or maybe a job offer so that whole process is like three to six weeks long is not uncommon you're just waiting a lot of time um and then yeah the past while I've also been applying to some volunteer opportunities off campus as well this is more of a less formal process I feel like it still has an application with whichever site you found the volunteer opportunity and usually you have you know like kind of more of a casual interview um, if they like your application. But usually mm. I think, usually just submit a resume. I don't think there's a cover letter, like paid opportunities most of the time. Um, some of volunteer opportunities would request a cover letter. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the range of my experiences with applying mm. for positions. 
Yeah, I feel like in my experiences, it's actually been interesting, I guess, perhaps uh, in terms of work, I've been just looking for like part-time student jobs and that nature of jobs, I guess it's not like that full recruitment process of screening and then like multiple interviews. It's kind of like a quicker turnover or not turnover, uh, like a quicker process in general. And mm. I think it's actually like the student leadership opportunities that actually had all the stages. I think in, in my past, at least, a lot of work positions have just been submit a resume and or cover letter and then you just go in for a chat and then it's like very quick and a lot of times I'm like hired on the spot almost so mm -hmm. it's been interesting for me that um yeah it's almost been like uh, more work for like unpaid oh, opportunities yeah, yeah. like in some interviews, um there were like 30 minutes usually right for you yeah, a lot of the work interviews I've been to are quite short, like 30 minutes. Mm. Um, some are longer, but they're usually quite casual. And they usually say things like, oh, it's just like a casual conversation, not really like an interview or anything. But of course, they ask me interview-like questions. It's just like mm -hmm. a more relaxed atmosphere, I guess. Right. I think this also relates to, I guess, the company culture and like their work vibes as well. Um, but right. at least for places that I've applied to, it's been more like a conversation and more yeah less of like a formal interview like obviously you dress a certain way to show professionalism but in terms of actual conversation uh, during the interview I feel like it hasn't been too like you know intense <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. as I've seen in like dramas and like shows and whatnot it's never been like yeah those kind of like you know just in my experience though so far right. uh, mainly applying to part-time seasonal or like casual positions mm -hmm. yeah most of my interviews are 60 minutes long I think I've been I don't know if I've been in an interview for 90 minutes or not but I've been in, in interview processes that were like two hours long because you have a one-hour interview which has multiple components like questions like presentation role play something else um, and then you would have an, what's called an in-basket assessment, which is essentially like they email you something or, or give you something if it was in person and they give you like a couple tasks where they mm -hmm. want you to write an email about this situation. So something that's related to the job. So not only would they assess your interview and, you know, your resume and all that stuff, but then they can assess you almost like trying to do a bit of the job under certain time pressures um yeah i found like generally the almost all the interviews i've been in have been very like formal i guess um i mean i've been in spaces that are like friendly but i've also been in spaces that are like less friendly more like stone-faced non-reactive <laughs> um as well which i don't perform well i don't think anyone performs well because i think um I think it's innate in us to be able to pick up um, like facial features and reactions and stuff. And if someone's not reacting or emoting to what you're saying, you kind of stop talking, if you know what I mean. And for like my own experience doing the hiring, like being an employer, um, I've kind of, yeah, made some revisions to how we did our own recruitment process to make it less professional and just try to facilitate like the same experience you had Rachel of more of a relaxing atmosphere um and just very 
um, I don't know, like friendly and like nice in terms of, you know, you can take as long as you need to answer a question or we can like skip it and like go back to it at the end or, um, you know, putting questions in the chat, like in a Zoom interview type of thing, um, that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like being more flexible and yeah. less of like, this is the structure and there's like no way around. Yeah, because like structure, yeah. Yeah, the structure we stick to is the same questions for all candidates, right? But then mm -hmm. how that looks, we're a little bit more flexible on that because we want to essentially be more flexible so the candidate can, you know, create or like shape the environment within boundaries so that they can perform better mm -hmm. rather than yeah. just like a, a, um, yeah, just like a set, like, process just because I think it does filter out certain people for sure yeah and how has it been like I guess like with COVID like having online interviews versus in the past with more like in-person interactions like because you've been interviewing recently so have you mm -hmm. noticed like any differences in how you did or how the uh, interviews were structured and all of that Mm hmm. Yeah, I feel like I as much as it's more nerve wracking to be in person, I feel like I come off better in person because also the thing is, is it's I think the eye contact thing is super hard on mm -hmm. um, like Zoom and stuff like that, because like even normally when I'm in meetings, like you're not looking at your camera, you're looking at the person's face that you see face on, the screen. on your screen. Yeah. Um, and also like if you're thinking, like if you're looking down or like whatever, and you can do that in person as well, but I guess it just like feels different like when you're doing it virtually where I don't know if people assume that you have less eye contact or something like that, or like you're more distracted because you're thinking and they can't see your whole body or something like yeah. that. I feel like it's way more nerve wracking to do in-person interviews, but I think for for some things, it's it's kind of hard to um, kind of like convey, I guess. Um, but I I mean I don't really miss like handshakes or anything like that because how strong of a handshake <laughs> it was kind of yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Like there are some things that I definitely appreciate having like online interviews. I mean I don't have to commute, which is nice. And then that awkward handshake and just feeling more nervous, I definitely relate. But then what you mentioned about nonverbal cues, I feel like that's something that's so hard to replicate in an online setting. And then I feel like it also creates challenges in terms of, I don't know if you've seen or like have experience with this, but I've been in group interviews where people are like obviously reading off their notes like during an interview oh yeah and I think I think it's obvious to everyone right but just something yeah. like that wouldn't happen in an in-person situation yeah. and I feel like that kind of undermines you know the efforts of other applicants who are trying to kind of have that similar uh like performance as in a real life like you know interview like I wouldn't do anything mm -hmm. that I wouldn't do in a real like uh, in-person interview so mm -hmm. I feel like everyone's stance on that it's kind of different and people may be like oh it's online anyways like I can just have notes like yeah. in the back of my computer so it doesn't look like I'm looking at notes just stuff like that like getting around the system and like trying to find loopholes I don't know I've just yeah have you like 
seen or heard any of that at all recently? Oh, yeah, I've been in hiring processes where I do know that a candidate is reading off um, notes. Um, I feel like I kind of have like mixed kind of feelings about that because like for me anyways, like just as a person, I like having things written down to like remind me or like cue me. And it's only because like upon reflection from my like recent interviews, uh, I'm not a person that can like remember and like short-term memory or like memorize the question while trying to think and speak at the same time Mm -hmm. and so one of my recent interviews I asked if they could put the question in the chat after they asked it and that's one thing I'll miss like if we go back like once we go back probably to more in-person um interviews being more regular um because I'm just not the type that retains information audibly especially when I'm trying to think at the same time and speak at the same time like it's too many things for me and I've struggled in the past to remember what because also I like for the interviews I've gone through these are long questions with three parts to each question and so on like a word doc you can imagine it's like two three sentences long um with you know things like explain your steps and thought processes and like the outcomes and like all this stuff um and it's just hard to keep track of all that like imagine you're trying to separate you're trying to get your brain to multitask right to remember what the question was all of the details of it which even if you tried to write it down you wouldn't be able to get every everything um while you're trying to think and speak at the same time to me i find that like really difficult so I can kind of see the benefit of notes and even in person I would bring a notebook with me that has like the questions I wanted to ask at the end of the interview um and yeah I would I would ask if I could take notes so I can at least you know understand the question I feel like it's different uh, between writing notes and taking notes um, to help yourself facilitate like your answers versus like having scripted responses. And I think I was talking more about, yeah, I think taking notes, especially if you've asked the interviewers at the beginning, like that's definitely like a good practice. I do that myself, especially like um, to formulate relevant questions at the end. Like I don't want to be asking very generic questions, like because in an interview process, I'm also trying to get to know the position better. And so writing notes help me kind of think of questions I might want to save for later. And I think that's appropriate to do. Um, What I think is perhaps less appropriate is like having completely scripted responses and then just reading that off, Um, especially if it's something like you have to prepare a presentation or prepare a speech. um, And like a candidate would just like read off a script versus like someone trying to do that with either just like notes to remind themselves and trying to facilitate like a more candid presentation. Um, And that just shows like, I guess the level of preparation they have, right? Um, Yeah, so I think it kind of depends on the context. I think the extent of my experiences is I've seen them read off notes for like one question. um, And then, you know, they proceed with the interview for the rest of them. Yeah, I think. It really depends on like the whole process of the interview and what would be assessed. Because even for for example, like a presentation, if you memorize 
um, your like notes, it depends on the job, whether you need to memorize everything. So for example, I recently went through a presentation um, and I practiced, you know, like 10 times or something like that throughout my little presentation, it was just five minutes. Um, mm -hmm. I still read off of the script, but by then I knew like the components and things like that, but it's because on the job, I wouldn't need to memorize the whole script by myself. Um, and so it's not, so for the job, it wasn't as essential to like, you know, memorize like content, but I do, yeah, there's definitely just differences in like what is prioritized. Um, and I guess like on the job, it really depends like what, what, what the employer prioritizes, what they want to teach and what they don't want to teach as well. Um, there's just so many factors. I find hiring so complicated. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think like to an earlier point that you brought up, like facilitating an environment where the candidate can actually do their best. I feel like that is more from an equity perspective because like equality wise, you would want to replicate the exact same like structure, atmosphere and all of that, right? Across uh, applicants like mm -hmm. for it to be equal. Um, whereas if you're trying to create an environment where that individual can thrive and that's like more from an equity perspective. And I feel like traditional hiring processes value like having the same like structure for everyone so it's fair. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, I think like from what I've heard just in conversations, just because I work in career, you're bound to talk about hiring and law and stuff like that as it relates I think apparently um it is related to law in some way um like it's a risk thing for the company to um. essentially like do a copy paste of everything but then when you think about it like yeah we want consistency and ideally yeah we should be able to do a copy paste right but mm -hmm. what we're pasting is very colonial and it's not rooted in justice right because mm -hmm a lot of hiring norms and things like that they're norms like they are things that like unless you were born here unless you did all the things I don't know like it's just this subset of knowledge that not everyone has like for example even something as simple as like resumes and cover letters um you know there are certain conventions and things like that that you have to follow in western culture um yeah definitely um and in terms of like interview like you mentioned like handshake and you know being like uh amicable and stuff like that first impression thing I feel like it's also very like western um mm -hmm. like how you go in presenting yourself and mm -hmm. then I think about like the first question like tell me about yourself like mm -hmm. I think there's like a very like high expectation of what that would be like that only cater towards certain individuals who are like open to talking about themselves right off the bat. Like personally, I feel like it's really weird to <laughs> just talk about myself and you're supposed to highlight, you know, your key accomplishments and stuff, but you're literally just starting the conversation. So I feel like that doesn't really take into account like the differences in like people's cultures and how comfortable that would be. Um, but then like a response of an individual who is able to verbalize that from the get-go like I feel like is seen as a strong candidate like a strong speaker 
and then like mm-hmm. a strong applicant regardless of what mm-hmm. the position is actually mm-hmm. for yeah so it's just that first impression thing yeah I think it's it doesn't take into account like cultural differences like you know we're both Asian like you mm-hmm. don't like who, talk about yourself <laughs> yeah who talk about yourself who like boasts about your accomplishments and things like that like that's really hard to do and also like the whole persona of being like very energetic um it's almost like Mm -hmm. it's that's why I like to say that you know interviews especially like they're a performance for me I have to like perform (laughs) um and yeah I don't know it's it's like you're performing to fit this convention to you know seem interested have that strong handshake um you know sound confident don't have filler words because it'll make you, you know, don't talk too fast, talk slower, um, just all these things to kind of like try to conform into this idea of this is what an ideal candidate would do. And I think it's rooted in, you know, colonialism as well. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely relate. Like, I feel like when I go into like a formal interview, I almost have to like prepare myself to act a certain way um be extra friendly extra like conversational and extra confident like all the things that you Mm -hmm. mentioned because that's what people look for and that's what kind of dictates whether or not you build that strong first Mm -hmm. impression and like having like consistency throughout your interview that you're you know speaking confidently and all of that I mean like most for most hiring processes the interview is the like most important part right it's yeah you go in and if you do well in that interview that basically determines whether or not you get the position and so if you don't hold on to the opportunity to be like quote unquote your best version which is like you said like what that is that ideal is rooted in yeah just like inequitable ideas around what that is and so mm-hmm. yeah it's just quite like a I mean like like if we think about it logically of course, we would want people to be interested in working for our company. Like, that's a no-brainer. But I do think that if, I don't know, it kind of leans on the side of extreme sometimes, I guess. Because I think, you know, yeah, you should be, like, friendly, maybe flash a smile here and there. And actually, like, you know, hopefully you do want the job. Um but I think sometimes the expectations is like you need to like think that this is you know your dream company um I don't know um sometimes work is not a passion for people right like that's not what makes them wake up they want to have a job to be able to like pay the bills and do something else um so just the expectation that everyone needs to think of this one job as their like sole passion their dream job that might not that's not really realistic you know yeah, and have like that super inspiring backstory of why you like fit so well with the company's mission yeah. and values. Yeah, I mean, like that's the quote unquote ideal. Like, it isn't always realistic to have that kind of expectation in a candidate. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you want someone who wants to learn and someone who would do well, but then kind of mm-hmm. finding that balance of what is, yeah, realistic to have in a candidate. And then also, I feel like that whole performance thing do they genuinely like enjoy or do do they genuinely want this job and do can they genuinely do well I feel like that's all rooted in how well they respond to 
an answer to an interview. And that's why I feel like in basket exercise and activities are so valuable in that process because that mm -hmm. actually puts them in a situation where they can like not just talk about their skills but demonstrate it and I feel mm -hmm. like it like definitely helps people like me who I don't think I can speak very well on the spot and I definitely like mm -hmm. in terms of verbal communication I do way better uh, in written right so having wow. those opportunities to show like actually like a better like a bigger picture of what I can bring through an mm -hmm. in-basket exercise, I feel like that has really helped me. I feel like, yeah, just throughout application processes. Yeah, like that, like remind me of my, yeah, one of my recent interviews where um, I actually liked uh, role plays, like kind of like you're in the scenario and like, what would you do? Because I am the type, and I even remember in high school, like in one of my interviews, my my interview where I started working at Tim Hortons part time, like I told oh. the hiring straight, like, um, yeah, I think I don't know, maybe you should ask something about like my skills or strengths or something, and then I was like, you know, I'm the type that would rather show you than tell you, and so for oh, me, that's feisty <laughs> for a high school. <laughs> Because I am that type of person, like rather than telling you what I can do, I'd rather show you what I can do. And so in uh -huh. the situations where I can just do it, um, whether that be a role play, right? Or, you know, put on a presentation or facilitation, um, uh, do this in-basket assessment about, you know, some of the things. Because to me, I feel like it's so much more um, rich in information and, because I find, especially when you're talking about complex situations, right? If you have like a question about like, you know, a conflict you had with someone, that's a hard question. If you had, you know, a scenario where like a conflict happened and you have to explain your thought process, your steps that you took and the outcome, uh -huh. it's like such a complex situation. It's very nuanced that, you know, people who are more inclined to be able to speak verbally like well-spoken I guess you could say they would do well mm -hmm. question but for me might as well just put me in that situation and just see what I do because it's hard for me to explain my thought process especially also like the, the, the thing I have with this to verbally explain is when it's a strength of yours and it's actually hard for you to know because you're naturally good at it what you're doing and so it's actually hard to convey and explain why you're doing a certain thing when in your mind, it naturally just makes sense. Um, yeah, that's so true. Like for me, one of the questions I struggle on um, that I don't know if I actually answer well is when they talk about how I prioritize work and like how I can do on like project management and like organizing my workload and whatnot. So personally, uh -huh. like I'm very confident in that, but when I'm trying to explain what I'm doing um, or like when things come up, I'm just kind of like, in my mind, I'm, exp I'm saying something, but in my mind, I'm just like, okay, well, I've never really, you know, had this problem where I couldn't like handle the work given to me, you know, cause I, I always like essentially like troubleshoot, like as it comes, right? Once I start feeling overwhelmed, have a conversation with my supervisor. Um, see that I have, you know, we have things that are coming up in the upcoming year. I've already thought about like when other things should be happening. So it's almost like I am, um, and I recently uh, listened to Upstream, which I recommend um, by Dan Heath. 
talks about, you know, preventing problems before they arise. Like that's the whole systems thinking that we learn in LFS. And also I'm just that type of person as well. Like I paid off my student loans one and a half years after I graduated because I planned since grade 10 in high school, what I was going to do six years later. So to me, that's why those questions are hard for me because I am the type of person that already knows what I want to do in the next year, knows what I want to accomplish in the next like two years and how I'm going to get there and all of those types of things. So then for me, it's hard for me to explain. And also partially, I also feel like when I'm explaining it, I'm just like, isn't this such a basic answer? Wouldn't anyone just answer this 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 way? Yeah, because it's like you almost do it like out of instinct and you don't really think about it as much like because it's not a yeah. problem to you so yeah uh, to the point about like situational questions what you said about like being able to articulate step by step what would you do I relate to that struggle because sometimes like how do you explain what you do like it's easier to just do it <laughs> and like yeah. being able to explain it well doesn't have anything to do with you actually you being actually able to do, do it. it well yeah yeah exactly so it's like really hard for me and I like I've been and trying to work like, on it's mm -hmm. it they're complex situations right you're making a bunch of assumptions as you are explaining what you would do right like uh -huh. what if this happened? and you have a bunch of questions and so yeah. what I did like recently <laughs> is I, I try to clarify the situation like the situational question that I got and then mm -hmm. in in their response it didn't actually help me narrow out any of the options that I was thinking of in terms of solutions. And so I was just like, okay, never mind. I'll just like pick one and then just like go with that. Um, so I find those questions to be like difficult because also I think it's like our own background, right? Like you want all the information in detail to understand whether a certain intervention is gonna work like in public health, yeah. right? Otherwise it's mm -hmm. gonna create harm. And so that's what I think about with these situations. Like it is so nuanced, it's, it depends. Um, especially like I'm in higher education, right? Like a lot of the situations that are complex has to do with human beings, you know, students that are, you know, intersectional, like they have multiple identities and different backgrounds and all of these things. One solution does not fit all, you know? Yeah, I was going to say like similar things like you. I feel like a lot of the times these questions are really generic and they're expecting some sort of like cookie cutter response. But when I hear a question like that, I think of even more questions to ask. And mm -hmm. it's like, oh, what if this? Like, but what do we know about this individual? Like, I feel yeah. like it's just so hard to have that like right response because it really depends on the actual situation with mm -hmm. these like hypothetical situations. Um, just in a recent interview, I remember like, is it okay for me to make these assumptions before like I carry on with my response because it would only work in certain cases, right? It really depends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I feel like a lot of times, like the interviewers don't even know what they're really asking. It's almost like, oh, they're just pulling out a question from yeah. the question bank and then taking notes on your response. And like, hopefully you hit a few like buzzwords or whatever. Like, I wonder how they actually evaluate your response, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think like the interviews I've gone through, um, some of them have been general, but what I've noticed in um, higher education anyway, is they're extremely specific to the position. They're actually not general questions. They're all a question that could be general, like conflict or like about this situation, but it's related directly to the position and what you would do like in the job, which actually makes it hard to really prepare for, because usually you're preparing for general questions, right? 
but then the questions they ask you are related to this specific job in like this specific context in this field and whatnot. And so as a detail-oriented person, it trips me up because I really am interpreting every single word that they're saying within the context of what they're talking about. And so, yeah, those are kind of like hard situations where I can't really prepare beforehand um, mm -hmm. as much as I would like to. And then, yeah and, yeah. and in their interview, they gave you about like 30 seconds to think. Maybe 30 <laughs> seconds, maybe. Maybe you know? 30 very awkward, long 30 seconds. 30 very thick, quick seconds. That really is like 10 seconds, maybe. Yeah. Oh, it's like when they, like during an interview, they always tell you, oh, take your time to think. But I feel mm -hmm. like at the end of the day, like it's still very awkward to take mm -hmm. your time to think. And you're still yeah. kind of, you still have to think on the spot. And so when you're not yeah. able to do that well, think on the spot and like articulate verbally your thought process yeah. and yeah. Yeah. This doesn't play and in your it, favor. And it, it's worse and it makes you feel like you have to start talking because like, they'll be doing stuff and then they'll look at you like they'll look like you'll see their movements right of them waiting for you to answer and they're like okay I need to like start answering I can't I can't I don't have much time to think here you know <laughs> mm -hmm. oh um random question I mean not mm -hmm. random it's related but like what are your experiences with group interviews um my group interview experience has only been in extracurriculars um I haven't actually had many group interviews I think just one what about you yeah only extracurriculars as well I just feel like group interviews are very weird <laughs> like I know what they're trying to do like they're trying to see like especially if it's like a scenario type uh question like they're trying to see how you work in teams and they're like observing and taking notes and stuff but then I also feel like it creates a very almost like uh, I don't want to say like competitive or like inauthentic but in a way I feel like people will like try to talk more and like try to bring up, you know, the good points and people who are more keen to listening and like, mm -hmm. you know, being less quiet and like jumping into discussion, like, especially for me, like, I think that's something I can relate with. Like by the time I'm able to like articulate and want to contribute, like it's almost like time's over, like too bad you didn't talk mm -hmm. right away that you don't get to talk, you know? Yeah. And I feel and like also, it creates like, a really weird atmosphere. Yeah it's like it's like it's like you have like a little i don't know um timer right like when someone says something you take longer to think and like understand what they've said and comprehend what they said and you think of like your response and then before that like timer and someone else talks about something so now you're like actively yeah. listening you're trying to come and so you'll never like be, be at a point where you can actually interject um because you're like trying to really listen to everyone's responses and you almost have to kind of like fight your way to speak to be able to like uh -huh. have a chance like in the running yeah I find yeah I mean I understand what they're trying to do for like group interviews but I also find that that's even that's a real performance it really <laughs> a full is body yeah. performance you know I was just thinking have you been to like interviews where like I don't know I'm speaking from my experience but I've been to a few where I come out feeling like, oh, well, that was kind of a waste of time because like they repeated everything they asked me before, like on, on the actual, like uh, the written, the pre-screening uh, application. Like I've been to some interviews where the questions are literally the same. So I'm like, why did you ask me to write it out if you're just gonna 
ask me the same thing at the interview because I feel like the interview is an opportunity for you to get to know the applicant better beyond what's on their resume and what's like part of the written application and yeah do you have anything like that mm. uh, experiences like that mm, I don't think so I think um yeah I don't think so actually like I haven't had the exact same questions that were like in an application asked when I like went to an interview um but it sounds like your application process was like kind of like it was kind of long because you had to answer these questions repetitive <laughs> yeah but also like long oh yeah and like the other thing yeah. is that i experience in like the application process that I don't like is like you'll like attach a resume and then you like move to like the next page and it asks you to fill in all of your information again like your work experience <laughs> your experiences your education. and yeah like me, why yeah and usually they only list work experience as an option so like you wouldn't be able to put anything like volunteer or extracurricular as experience um so yeah that has kind of uh, one it kind of takes a very quite narrow approach to determining candidates um and also it's just so much more work it takes you like 15 minutes right like to fill out your application then because you have to put all the parts into it um so that that isn't great Mm -hmm. And like the idea of what is considered valuable in terms of experiences, like, because obviously you don't just get experience from a formal job, you get that from extracurriculars as well, or even from like your learnings. And then like a really important point of lived experience as well. I think like that traditional hiring process doesn't really take into account of lived experiences um, when they only limit it to like, tell us about your work experience in X or Y, like. And they're kind of, yeah, prioritizing that over what could be very valuable as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I I don't like the almost like the assumption that unless you get paid for it, you didn't learn anything valuable that we would mm -hmm. want to hear about. Yeah, totally. So for me, I think I've talked about this before, but I don't actually like job descriptions for the most part, like the way that they are designed and like the traditional job description I find is a like pretty like usually they list like certain number of years of experience um and certain like degrees or backgrounds you should have so I find that excludes people um within certain ages um and also excludes people from like a justice and equity standpoint it is ageist and credentialist um these job descriptions. So essentially it prioritizes the most, the quote unquote, most qualified candidates with the most years of experience, the most credentials to be the ones that apply to these jobs. And also in general, there's a statistic um, that for women and also those from equity deserving groups, um, you, are less likely to apply to a job unless you meet almost all of the qualifications for it. Um, 
versus men who usually like will apply if they meet about like half of them um and even for me like my own experience I've actually stopped looking at the qualifications and what I've discovered is I've actually received interviews um for positions that state more years of experience than I have and more qualifications than I have and so it just kind of makes me feel weird that this job description is acting as a barrier to BIPOC, like Black, Indigenous, and people of color, and being able to, and also other people, you know, people with neurodiversities, people with um, disabilities, all of those types of things, it will, like, prevent them from applying to this job, um, and also kind of, like, slightly culturally as well, but, like, you want to be able to check off all the boxes, at least, I don't know, kind of you know you're following instructions right like the diligent people we are we follow the instructions before we apply it's 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 interesting right i'd be curious to see demographic statistics about who applies to certain jobs and whether they're representative of the population within that community and it's the same thing like beyond job descriptions um the traditional resume does not have a place where you can put lived experience and how that informs your perspective and the way you see the world and how that can actually help you in a job um yeah uh, but rachel have you kind of ever felt that about the lived experience part or any of what i said yeah in terms of qualifications um they do tend to be really like numeric in terms of like five years of experience in i don't know public health it's always five. Know, marketing like, I always see, I always see five. Yeah. <laughs> and then a bunch of really generic things like good team player, good communicator, written, like all of that. I don't know. Yeah. I feel That's like. not equitable. From my, from my yeah. EDI module mm -hmm. about neurodiverse people, that is not, that's not good. Yeah. Because like, what does that actually mean? Right? Yeah. And then like quantifying experience just by number of years like quantity just, over yeah. quality yeah yeah and then like asking for certain degrees it especially pisses me off when it's like an entry-level job and they're asking for a master's degree it's like what <laughs> yeah you, you're or, not paying <laughs> yeah yeah or like they always centralize like saying a background in business human resources or such and such field like always find like like that's just like ubiquitous Right. And I think it's mm -hmm. the understanding of the like people who post the jobs may not know the full scope and abilities of people from other disciplines because they're likely yeah. from those same disciplines. So it's more likely that you'll hire people that are from the same background, which decreases diversity. Anyway, it's a whole it's quite systemic, let's just say. Yeah. And it's very narrowing down on the people who even apply and the applicant pool. And then obviously. The subsequent processes would also like further narrow down to I yeah just filters out a lot of potentially really good candidates um and what you said about ignoring qualifications like it's so hard for me to do but i've been trying to do that like i try to get a sense of what this job is about um, whether or not i'm interested and whether or not i have things that i want to learn from it um and then just thinking like like a gut instinct of like oh do i think i can do this job and then mm -hmm. like maybe briefly refer to their qualifications but it has really helped me to apply for things that i don't quote unquote like qualify for because 
like of that section being so arbitrary almost I feel like mm-hmm. sometimes people just like copy and paste certain things and like maybe just swap out a few keywords um in terms of like how many years and stuff but mm-hmm. it doesn't actually it's not a good assessment of who's actually able to do this job and who has potential to do well um mm-hmm. yeah and knowing those biases in terms of like women being less likely to apply when they reach a certain number of qualification like it just prompts me to like let's like get out of my head and think like I'm not the one deciding if I'm qualified so I should just apply and try for it anyways mm-hmm. if I think it's a job that I want to pursue um and that has really helped I think mm-hmm. yeah and then in terms of lived experiences definitely it's like an area that I hope like organizations can I guess prioritize more mm-hmm yeah I think I think those like measures of like years of experience and credentials it is a way for employers to it's like it's like um more convenient if that makes sense like it makes things more efficient like a shortcut (laughs) but have has anyone ever looked into whether it was effective in terms of this whole idea of justice equity diversity and inclusion right um, and it it may most of the time be effective, and I guess like that's good enough, right? Where if you have someone who's has more experience, can ha- be hired and just like do the job, then you know can start like supporting the the company or organization um, versus you know not being really interested in mentorship or training. Um, I can see where they're coming from but I do think like just yeah in how the interview process is structured or the hiring recruitment process in general it does cater to very specific people and I think it does lean into biases quite a bit you know with things like affinity bias where like you prefer affinity bias is like preferring someone who's like you right yeah Mm-hmm. And then like mm-hmm. halo effect where you have that strong first impression and then that kind of gives you an unrealistic idea of how well this person performs on the job or like their other positive qualities, right? There's a lot of research done on that, like extending positive traits beyond like what this means. Like for example, it's like a very like superficial example would be like this person is very good looking and then you just think they're good at everything else that they do, which obviously mm-hmm. is not true, but as humans, like we're susceptible to like these sort of biases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have just like your usual like unconscious bias, and this happens. Well, all of these biases kind of happen when you just don't take enough time to think and actually make a decision. Um, and this mm-hmm. is the part where it's like you lean into instinct or, you know, that gut feeling. Um, And usually, like, you know, all these biases are, like, you know, developed from our brain for, like, survival and whatnot and all that type of stuff. But it doesn't mean that it, you know, considers the whole justice aspect and equity aspect um, within practices. Um, Yeah, just because there's probably links, I guess, like, from, like, history and, like, evolution that you have an affinity bias for people that are like you because people who are not like you are like dangerous or something like that you know 
yeah like in group out group things um yeah. but then yeah obviously like with instincts and stuff like I'm just thinking it's not reliable because like we live in a racist world <laughs> like for example mm. and like if you let your instinct determine what you think is best then I feel like a lot of that is being impacted like your ability yeah, to then, yeah. accurately assess mm. is impacted by the society you live in right and yeah, so and it's it perpetuates on, like, yeah yeah like stereotypes and that mm-hmm. leads to actual like prejudice and then discrimination yeah. after that where All you actually that. your action because like growing up like we learn a bunch of stereotypes right even positive stereotypes like oh yeah Asian people are good at math I don't even like those stereotypes because or like Asian people are smart or whatever because then it just totally discounts the hard work that I had to do to get those grades and it's just you know it just doesn't count like oh it's because you're Asian that's why you got good grades and it's kind of like I worked really hard to get those grades thank you very much like it didn't come easily for me <laughs> uh, it discounts the individual really yeah like when you have exactly. stereotypes yeah mm-hmm. um and then what was what was um confirmation bias again Rachel oh um confirmation bias is when you're unconsciously just looking for things that reaffirm what you already think going in so like an example would be like if you think, oh, if I think Kathy is really great at project management, then like throughout an interview, I would be subconsciously looking for clues that already like affirm that existing belief. Um, Um, And that just leads you to kind of confirming what you already believe in and not really mm -hmm. being mindful or watching out for like evidence that speaks against that, you know? Um, Just psychology thing, very useful to kind of consider these biases and how that impacts our ability to evaluate like an applicant or even just how we think of like our social interactions on a day-to-day basis, right? If we think about Mm -hmm. these biases, we can kind of reflect upon um, like things that we're susceptible to believing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I was going to ask you a question because I would, I've been reading stuff recently and there was this thing about how um, you shouldn't, be applying to jobs you should be trying to get referrals because the success rate between getting a referral um versus doing job applications is like higher i I haven't thought of that i've never done a referral thing like um when we talk about um ways that we've found like opportunities like i applied for my previous role and then this role um, I was an internal candidate, basically. So I worked in the office, the opportunity came up, and then I was notified of it. Um, but now that I've been, you know, applying for jobs, like just kind of everywhere that interests me with positions that interest me, it was interesting to think of like the referral process, because even, you know, we've been talking a lot about the recruitment and hiring process, but an even more potentially biased process is getting referrals. So this is the whole like hidden job market, right? That yeah. getting referrals. You like will connect with people that might know hiring managers for jobs that you want. And you'll, I guess, like develop relationships with them and hopefully they can like refer you. Mm-hmm. Get a job that yeah. way. I haven't really been connected with like hiring managers per se, but I've definitely benefited from like referrals into positions that are not like publicly posted or just like opportunities that could 
be paid, like getting funding for a certain project just based on pre-existing relationships. And yeah, like it's definitely not really fair because you're not like actually opening up an opportunity and then going through that process of finding the right applicants. It's more of like who is on the top of your mind right now um, that you think could do well on the job. But it's, yeah, like I've benefited from it where like I've gotten positions where like my manager knew of another manager who was looking for um, like a continuation of like a, uh, a contract job or something. And because they know I'm like moving on from this certain position, like they like find that gap for me or not gap, find that link for me. Um, and I would still go through interviews and stuff, but obviously having someone that's well acquainted with the company vouch for me is very favorable. Um, and the success rate has been a hundred percent. So like, that's why people talk about the hidden job market, right? Because these relationships are very valuable in that success rate versus someone going through, like, if there is even a process for that same yeah. position, it's just so yeah. much higher. Yeah. I find I have, like, mixed feelings about referrals. Like, I find, like, for us, like, in justice and, like, equity, diversity, and inclusion, like, perspectives, like, I feel like it makes sense that we would take advantage of referrals because I've also done it as well like for my, this job and stuff um but then it's just because right like historically it's like these systems are not made for people like us to be able to like succeed in you know like the whole interview process the whole thing that we just talked about um where I find it like difficult is when it's it's like you're trying to let's say let's say Rachel like instead of going public health you get your MPH and you're like I don't want to do um technology as it relates to like <laughs> or whatever right yeah and you're probably not like, <laughs> and you're just trying to get into this like you know health tech company and you have no connections there right um and then it's like how are you going to start making those connections like how do you get your foot in the door um compared to someone who may be more privileged to be able to like have that connection and then they get the job, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's ways where I think like it should be leveraged to support, you know, people from equity deserving groups, but it also like um, puts those who are more privileged into an even more privileged position, if that makes sense. It's a very complicated mm -hmm. like subject, I think referrals. And I think yeah, for actually sure. like, some organizations like obviously because there's so many I think some also basically mostly hire off referrals yeah I've also had an experience where I interviewed for a position and um like was kind of like their runner-up um so I didn't end up getting the position but the hiring manager like kept me on file and actually like contacted me and recommended me based on their experience having already interviewed me for another position and so that's kind of also like a referral right because I didn't apply for that position um but I was like linked directly to it um but yeah mm -hmm. my experiences have only been with more like casual contract like short-term work um and it's just like people like supervisors really vouching for me and connecting me to opportunities that they think I can do well in um so yeah really appreciate mm -hmm. those supervisors who like try to watch out for these opportunities for me or just try to like time. encourage you right like when yeah my recent interview like uh I've had an internal one 
And like, I was just like, oh my goodness, am I even like prepared for this job? I talked to a lot of folks in the office and they highly encouraged me to apply. And that to me like Mm -hmm. helped because like, I don't know, I think it's just like, there's like some systemic like roots, right? Of like, I need to meet all the qualifications to be able to be ready. Like, am I even ready? I don't meet all the qualifications for this job. Um, And that I think just like helps us because I'm also the type of person that like, needs encouragement to like do stuff sometimes so that's very helpful yeah for sure like having someone who like sees your potential and like encourages you to try is definitely reassuring for me as Mm -hmm. well should we wrap up with some takeaways yeah um so from our discussion today some of the takeaways that we have is one um understand your values um and worth you know um as much as you are being you know interviewed and assessed in the hiring process you're also doing the same for that role that you applied for and for that organization and if you find out that it's not a fit for you then you can, you know, withdraw from the process. And that's completely normal. Um, And the second is to understand your boundaries, just understanding what you find important within a role or an organization. Um, So two things for me that are, you know, three things for me is um, what what the culture is like, work-life balance, and whether I'm going to learn and grow in that role so once you understand kind of you know what is most important to you you can actually look for that ask those questions at the end of an interview to help better inform whether you find that that organization that role would be a fit for you so the hiring process really is a two-way conversation um, and understanding your values and worth as well as your boundaries at the interview stage um, will really give you a chance to get to know whether or not this position is actually one you want to work at or the company being a place you see yourself growing in. Um, but I think one final thing to keep in mind is that there is really privilege in this process as well and to continue to reflect on those. Mm-hmm.